Deuteronomy 28, verse 12. The Lord shall open to you his good treasury, the heavens. Put to death that nefesh that's wrong about literally everything. I'm ready to cut loose myself. The Christian experience has to be sacrificed. Mm -hmm. You have to have that soldier attitude. I don't care what they think. I'm here to obey the apostolic commandment. I want to fulfill God's will for my life. Which is the favor that Jesus had from his father by being perfect. Greetings, welcome back to RLM TV. God bless you. Welcome to the cloud of righteousness. Pray you guys had a great weekend. God is doing a mighty work inside his people. It is through us that he comes to us. Sanctification is the revealing of your cosmic promised land. Who are the blind leading the blind? Those who don't have the purification of hearts. Matthew 5, the pure in heart, see Yarevave, God, Jesus Christ said in the red letters. Therefore, anyone who has not fully embraced a constant crucified life in their inner invisible man is hindered from seeing God. Now, what happens if you don't see God? You're confused? You're stubborn in your own ideas and opinions? You're locked in the curse of the fall, which is the human consciousness, the human being's thought life, the Bible says, is constantly opposed to the thought life of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be in the thought life of the Holy Ghost. Those that are led by the Spirit of God, where are the sons of God? Well, you're born again as a new creature in Christ. You look at your body... Sometimes you got healings going through your body when you're born again, and there's a big dramatic, you know, sonic boom. But for the most part, it's the same shell after you're saved. So what part of you is altogether new? Your spirit is regenerated. As is written, your spirit is translated out of darkness into his glorious light. Now we need to proceed in that glorious light. We stay in the glorious light as children of light and get our light fathered by the Father of lights by enjoying the things that God is thinking about and desiring to do today. And our job is to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So what makes us holy and acceptable? The Bible says, the presentation of your body to the power of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit is looking for vessels, vessels that are emptied out of selfish, stubborn will, opinionated ideas about everything, and even charismatic religion, that I gotta have some kind of circus show to have a big ministry. All you need to have a big ministry is a big Holy Spirit and a big, huge amount of room yielded in your heart for Him to dwell in. There is no person more successful than the person yielded to the Holy Spirit, making their heart and their mind the throne room for the Holy Spirit. So sanctification takes the human heart and the human mind and gives it to the Spirit of Jesus Christ for Christ to dwell in us. That's why it's called a hope of realizing the glory. Meaning, to realize the glory, you must be purified from self. You need to test your thoughts. The Bible says, test every spirit to see it's from God. So if it's not from God, what is it from? Man. Are your thoughts from yourself, from man? Are they the opinions and thoughts of the nations? God is in heaven above, as is written, the heavens are my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What will you build for me? So he says no human being can build for him. King Solomon said the same thing in Psalms, unless Yarevave builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. Vain laboring is called strange fire. That's the human idea and opinion in the brain, having so much knowledge about God that now I'm full of the knowledge of God to become the builder of God. No, you'll build the Tower of Babel. The human being can only build Babylon the Great, but the consecrated being, the set-apart inner being, 
that is yielded to the Spirit of God. In the Spirit of God, it is written, is the only one who knows the Father. People say, I know the Father. You know the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit knows the inmost thoughts and purposes of God. It is written. So, our dependency on the Holy Spirit only intensifies as we grow in Shekinah glory by digesting and understanding the Word of God in our hearts. Therefore, when you begin to truly understand the Word, and the Holy Spirit is working out the Word like rivers of glory from your hearts, you will begin to see the awesome evidence of God dwelling in His temple. As is written, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former house. What was the former house? Buildings made by human hands. Absolutely. Solomon built the temple. Solomon's temple, Herod's temple, the temple in Jerusalem, the temple of the earth, church on earth, buildings on earth, synagogues on earth, Christian uh, congregations on earth are built with the mixture of human flesh. But God's last day temple will have no mixture in it. It will be built entirely by angels as it was in the days of Noah. We know from the book of Jasher, which is quoted many times in the Bible, that angels alone built the ark. So when Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the living God, says it shall be like the days of Noah, he's saying that the last day temple will be entirely built by angels. And I got a news flash for you, Buckwheat. You are that temple. Amen? You are the temple of God, and He is coming in all of His glory through those who embrace consecration. So what is our daily bread, our daily consecration? The ones that go away and stop being consecrated by the daily word from God that comes from His very throne, they get darker and darker until they forget the purposes of God and live entirely for the world and selfishness, which is the human being. Now we must consecrate ourselves and live entirely for the purposes of the Father's throne, that we might fulfill this verse in these days. The nations exclaimed, The throne of the Father is with men. If you study that out, it means inside men's bodies. The purpose of all of this is that the Father himself can reside in you in all of his glory, and that glory will be a thousand times brighter than the noonday sun. That's the promise of a new heavens and a new earth, is that the sunshine of the Father, the Creator's light, that's a thousand times brighter than the stars, would begin shining in His holy consecrated people during these days. Amen. As it's written, In the land of Israel a light has shone. This is the salvation of all Israel and the light to the Gentiles, Jesus Christ, the bright and morning star. The bright morning star means light of lights or creator of stars. So you have to look at Jesus as a greater light than all the luminaries combined and you are progressively increasing in increments of glory, increments of light from glory to glory into the fullness of his radiance in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> That's the good treasury. Deuteronomy 28 verse 12. yad heh the Lord, shall open to you his good treasury. What is his good treasury? The stuff from the earth. No, that's the stuff gets added unto you. Change your focus. Let your focus be on what God calls good, not what you think you need, not even provisions right now. Okay? Get your head out of the earth and put it into the heavens. Yadhe Vavhe shall open to you his good treasury. What is it? Deuteronomy twenty eight twelve, you can look it up. The good treasury of God Almighty is the heavens. It's the sapphire stones. The treasury of the king of Israel is inside the luminaries. It's inside the moon, in the sun, and the stars. It's Jacob's ladder. It's our treasury. When we have that good treasury, automatically 
The things you seek and think that you need so desperately in the realm of the natural, like Jesus Christ says, you seek clothes, you seek food, you seek finances, all these things. Well, God even feeds the sparrows. And how much greater are you, human souls, than sparrows, Jesus Christ said in the Bible. So we need to understand the the provision of God is in the position of the sapphire stones. You will be a beggar and a wanter until you have the vision and the understanding of the treasury of the heavens. The treasury of the heavens gives you the angelic perspective of the Creator, that He is more than enough, that I have given you the covenant that creates, God said to Abraham. Creates wealth, we say. Well, it creates wealth out of light. It creates all the sustenance of provision that human beings and animals and plants need, all living things on the earth need, are created out of the luminaries. So if you take the good treasury that God wants you to have through consecration and ascension, walking the narrow path, which is his ascension from glory to glory, from rung to rung of Jacob's ladder, then these things can be added unto you. But if you are going after him first, you have major idolatry issues. The poor have major idolatry issues. You deal with this stuff every single day of ministry. We are not to be poor. The word poor in spirit are the sons of God is pakuda in Greek, which means humble, requiring God out of necessity. It has nothing to do with lack. But oftentimes when the natural realm is coordinating around our, our hearts, around our souls, we will turn to idolatry as an escape to, rather than deal with the very curse of the fall that our atmosphere and our very our place on earth is presenting a, a, and, and oppressing us with. So we need to understand the position that our heart's in. The response needs to be in dealing with God in the heavens rather than hell on the earth. Because as you ascend, those things get taken care of. Those things get shepherded. So the sheep need the shepherd, which means they have no provision or protection except what the good shepherd gives them. So the Holy Spirit will lead you to the great shepherd. And the great shepherd will lead you to the springs of the waters of life. This is the treasury of the heavens. For we know the springs of the waters of life come down through the heavens. Then through the heavens, you will have the perspective of how all creation was originally designed by God, the designer. And you will not be from below trying to reach up, but you'll be in him from above ruling on downward. When you're ruling on downward, you put creation into the order of righteousness and it all begins to work for Christ formed in you. So the temptation is to take your eyes off of Jesus when you see yourself surrounded by circumstances, situations, predicaments, lack, want, need, the environment, nature, and all these human conditions that make the human being prostrated and subjected to sin and the curse of the fall, what makes us upright of heart is now we're subject to the Creator, the risen one, so that that stuff bows to us instead of us bowing to it. And that's a huge step we need in overcoming idolatry, for the entire curse of the fall is summed up in one word in the book of Revelation, idolatry. And y'all got it. There's all different measurements, and the Lord wants it less and less idolatrous, which means more and more glorious, which will require everyone a deeper purging of their own heart and consciousness and thoughts and feelings and emotions, and really their mind. The mind, the brain, really needs to be renewed to the presence of His glory in the heart to begin to know God more intimately. You, you can't just know God on the outside. That's knowing about Him. That's being religious. You must connect your brain to Christ in you. And the brain must realize the glory. Colossians 1.27 That is the only way we begin to know Him. That's the only way we begin to glow Him. And that's the only way we'll ever 
flow in him. And then you begin to go on autopilot to the measure your brain is connected to Shekinah. For what is God's will? It is written that you might go from Shekinah to Shekinah, which is the brain constantly renewed in all of its thoughts, feelings, emotions, and will, yielded to the will of the great Shekinah, who is God himself, who is wanting to dwell and reside in us in a much greater way. Amen. Amen. <laughs> this looks like a cloud, and I can see that blue. It's like everything is blue in a cloud. I've been having these experiences with the Lord recently. As we're on this journey of ascension through circumcision, which is knowing the Lord intimately within you. My senses have been getting taken into heaven while awake, while yet in the body. Seeing the Lord, speaking with the Lord, listening, mostly listening. The cloud of witnesses. The saints. The garden. The throne of the Father. And so many times in the last, I don't know how many hours it's been, my senses get so taken into heaven that I forget that I'm in the world sitting here. And it just so happened I was sitting at the breakfast counter. I think it was last night, could have been this morning. And as I'm going through heaven, I realize I'm sitting at my kitchen counter. And then I look and I say, well, I guess I'm still on the earth. And I go back into heaven and there's so many things that are happening. I got to meet Moses and that was really, Moses is a really great friend of God, great man of God. There are few people who have done more for the Lord than Moses. Hmm. But as I'm learning and hearing, listening, participating with heaven, <laughs> it's just, it's a joy for all of your senses to be in heaven while you're in the body, awake. Sitting upright, awake, in heaven. With what senses? Vision, hearing, feeling. Learning, listening, experiencing the love of heaven. Experiencing the purity and righteousness that already exists in the third heaven and higher. It already exists. We just have to walk in it. And I know some of you really desire the things of heaven. You'd like to see heaven. It's really interesting. Some of these things for us, it's so experimental. We don't really know as we go up what is going to happen. We have an idea. We have things that are written in the book of Enoch, in the word of God. But when it comes to cosmic ascension because this is the new and eternal testament the holy kabbalah of the new testament eternal testament is different than what you'll see the sages writing about when you get to hesed of Isaiah and those books begin to open up for you how is it different you're not studying the letters on a page you are but it's different you're walking on the letters you're walking on the stones, sapphire stones of fire. And as those sapphire stones of fire are formed within you, you walk on the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, which are living creatures, by the way, who form the pathways in the multiverse. Once you ascend the door, the supernal door, when you go into the cosmic realm, you enter through Enoch's door. Do you think you'll enter through Enoch's door without Enoch's permission? What was Enoch's command? Love righteousness. 
And do you think you'll go up through the supernal door to the multiverse without meeting the requirements of whose door that is? Understand, these are mystic mysteries and realms of heaven. So why is it that so many people don't experience heaven? It's so easy to get caught up in what you see and what you hear. In the world all around you, in the cares and the worries of this life, and the things that hold down so many people. There's so much more, and we barely tap the surface. But why is it so difficult when, when you don't believe a warning from heaven? Right? There's the many cautions and many warnings. It's not for fear mongering, it's for obedience to be formed. So when you hear correction, when you hear warning, and there is like a, a mocking spirit, and a lot of people get a mocking spirit, or unbelief, especially unbelief, it prevents you from making the changes to heed the correction and heed the warnings. Because that unbelief spirit, which is a demon, does not believe in what God is doing in the invisible realms. So when you have that unbelief, when there are, even though there are many witnesses of what's happening, there'll be a lack of action on your part or a dismissal of the witnesses of righteousness because you don't like what you hear or because you didn't see it yourself or it doesn't make sense to you. So how does unbelief come out? Well, prayer and fasting is a surefire way to attack unbelief. So if that sounds like you, if you're struggling, I know some of you are having major breakthroughs. I had uh, one of the ladies reach out to me who began to experience what's happening in the invisible realm and was so shook. It's real, it's real. She said, it's, I'm so sorry for my unbelief. Everything you've told me, now you're seeing invisible beings and angels are talking to you and it's real. Everything I told you is real. It's happening in the invisible realm. More and more of you are waking up your senses and you know. How, how do we know? Continually, I go into the invisible realm and when I do something, I hear it back from some of you. I get messages almost daily now. I don't even tell you what it is, what it looks like, and the signs and wonders physically manifest out of nothing. And it's exactly what's been done. So some of you are waking up, that's good, but many are asleep in the dust of the earth. Many think it's the time to dismiss or get into comfort mode or just do the status quo, but God wants to move in you. And I want to caution you, as I've been for many years now, about the demon of false love. The demonic doctrines of false love Almost none of you at the sound of my voice right now actually know what that test and that trial is. It becomes more clear when you go up 10 weeks, but what are you going to do in between now and then? Love righteousness, love rigid righteousness. Why do I say that? In my experience in heaven, and again, when I did this experience, this is how I test the spirits. Do not be afraid to test when Jesus shows up I test him. Why? Don't be afraid. This is separate from do not put the Lord your God to the test. It has nothing to do with that. That's about you imposing upon him. That's another thing, right? Putting God to the test when you try to push your own boundaries and see how much you can get away with or see how it's going to work for you like that. There are many other things. That's a completely different topic and maybe we'll go into it another time, but when you test the spirits, if it looks like Jesus you test him. If you think it's the Holy Spirit, test him. Do not be afraid to test God as testing the spirits when he shows up. Mm -hmm. I highly encourage you in this time to do that. So this is what I'm talking about. As I'm experiencing Jesus, while awake, while in the body, but I don't feel like I'm in my body, I'm in heaven. Why my senses are there. I tested the Lord seven times confessed to me that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. I tested him seven times. Even after my encounters for a thorough testing, I asked if this 
is real and true and the pure vision and experience, then please, and without even saying it out loud, just praying internal prayer in the, in the very secret counsel of the Lord on the inside. Let there be gold dust that appears on my hands. And not only did it do that, it was gold and then pink. And pink crystal gold dust that matched my crystal chaya appeared on both of my hands the moment I asked. After I had just washed my hands and then asked for it to appear. So there is a manifestation as well. And what is pink? The color, it represents purity. Yes, the vision is pure. Your experiences are true and pure. This is what's happening in heaven. And so don't be afraid to thoroughly test these things. The reason why is because these things affect a lot of people because at these heights and my decisions and the things that the council of the Lord and the assemblies in heaven, those people who have authority that are in God's council, the decisions are being made in this time. Yes, there's only one timeline remaining, but you've got to really make it count. Right? Now that we've got the highest timeline possible, make it count. Don't get uh, lazier and slack. And this is one of the discussions that we had about false love. If you don't learn to hate false love, because again, almost none of you at the sound of my voice even really know what the test even looks like, what it even is. Most of you wouldn't recognize it. So study, pray ask to be built up in your most holy faith, guarded, shielded, and I'm praying for you. Believe me, I'm praying for you. Heaven is praying for you. Why do I say that? There's a lot of things that can potentially happen, but I'm believing for the best. And one of those items that we talked about in heaven, in this council, with those tests, signs, and wonders, and miracles that manifested. And on top of that, I hear, I hear back at the same time from people who've been to heaven Without me saying anything about the gold dust, they, they saw inside of me this specific thing, and it was all gold and pink diamond dust. Like, it was full of it, and it manifested in the physical realm. And one of those items that we discussed was whether or not God was going to have me remain in the earth. I've wanted for a long time to be one who remains in the earth. And if you followed my story a few years back, uh, he asked me if I wanted to leave. I felt like it would be really nice to leave, but I decided to stay and continue the work. So I had that option. We've gotten a lot done since then. I know some of you are watching from heaven. We've gotten a lot done since then. Thanks to you guys, and thanks to heaven. Thanks to, you know, God, really, and his people who love him. So we have righteousness established. I feel it's blazing out of my recent circumcision. We have righteousness teaching established in the earth now, the first time in a very long time. There haven't been many people alive that even remember what righteousness is. It's an This is the ancient path. The ancient path is restored. The teaching is in the earth now. But what was the other topic that, that we discussed? There must be a remnant, even if it's just a few people, a remnant who loves righteousness and hates false love because this is the, and this is the, you know, warnings from heaven are good. They're not for fear. Uh, they're not for fear. They're not for paranoia. They're for instruction and for wisdom. Why the book of Proverbs says, if there's a snare of the enemy, the best way to avoid it is how? I know you have this memorized by now. To see it coming. That's how you can avoid it. When you see it coming, you can avoid it. That's why we get warnings from heaven, not because it's unavoidable, un unforeseeable, because heaven already sees the trap and they'd like us to know about it so that you don't fall into it. So f fewer and fewer people fall into it. So what was the warning? Don't fall for false love and false love revival. If you don't learn to love rigid righteousness, even if you go up so high in the sephirah and then you still don't understand what the test actually is, if you go the route, what the enemy wants to do is cause a false love revival or a false revival. And what it is, is it's partial and it has to do with the Sephirot, but it's not going all the way in righteousness and it's not the rigid righteousness. So understand, if that happens in the earth, uh, the Lord, they were talking mainly about taking me out of the earth because he wouldn't want me around for that. I wouldn't want to be around for that anyway. It's pointless. Do I think that's going to happen? No. But if heaven is, if the count, highest councils of heaven are talking about this as a warning, 
please do take it seriously. And I know that just hearing this for some of you will be a motivation to get in the secret place, to hear the Lord, and you begin experiencing heaven. This isn't just for a few people. It might just be a few people, but you can experience heaven while yet in the body. How? Through moral and spiritual resurrection. And how do you do that? Circumcision. Just continue in circumcision. And then after you're circumcised, never insert the area of circumcision into the foreign place, which is the sephirot of the evil one, which is the clippeth. So what's the difference between Moses and Balaam? They were both circumcised. What's the difference between a circumcised cosmic Christian and the highest level sorcery possible, which you must avoid on this walk? We have to continue to walk in the fear of the Lord. Even after receiving many circumcisions, we must walk in the fear of the Lord, love righteousness, hate wickedness, and be sensitive. Unbelief is what keeps many people calloused in the heart. It's what keeps you from entering the rest, the promised land, entering into Christ. He is the door into heaven. The unbelief is what keeps people from being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what he is saying, what he's doing. So I just want to speak that over you, that you will be free from unbelief. You will perceive the invisible realms, the spiritual realms, and you'll walk the walk of faith, which is the realm of the sapphire stones. The price you pay to walk in righteousness has the greatest rewards, and the greatest reward that I found is in these rungs of continually experiencing the love of God, the love of heaven, the overall sense of well-being and being in him loving him, knowing him, hearing from him. And you begin to realize that his way is the highway of holiness. His way is righteousness. And his decisions that he makes are always the maximum best for everyone because he loves you. He really loves you. So when you deal with the unbelief, you can start to trust his plan. You stop attacking his plan with your own will, with your own witchcraft prayers, with your own desires and wants and lack and things like that. You really begin to trust him because you understand that even if you don't understand, and even if at first it doesn't seem that way, to your senses, that God's will and his way is actually the very best for you. And he has a plan for you, hope and a bright future. And you can lay hold of it. Just love righteousness and hate false love and hate unbelief. And let's get the unbelief out this season. As many of you begin to do that, you're going to have some of the most incredible encounters with God of your entire life. And I believe those are going to be coming soon for many of you. Proverbs says that your future is filled with bright hope. What is your future? The source where the brightness comes from. Your future is walking up. Now this is written, Ephesians 5.14. For this reason, he says, God, awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine as dawn upon you and give you light. So, Ephesians 5.14 says, there's no shining, there's no dawn, there's no bright hope, there's no future, except through one thing here, arise from the dead. So when the, the light comes forth from a higher elevation that's offensive to the human being and to the animal nature and the sinful nature, that's the opportunity for repentance. Repentance is always unto glory. A lot of times when we're in Edomite Christianity, we think it's about behavioral control, that my behavior is really good, so I'm godly. Not at all. That's religion. It is measurements of brightness that is the measurements of godliness. If you don't have that understanding, you don't yet understand Zion, the kingdom of heaven, 
or really anything about Christianity. Because you are born of the glory to go from glory to glory, rising until you shine in the exact measure of the splendor of God. So your future is filled with bright hope is the path laid before you. The truth is most Christians absolutely reject it. The heavenly Sanhedrin and their conversation is completely offensive in contrary to the human, the human understanding, the human conversation. Even hearing these things is a constant irritant to many. So what do we do? We present our bodies as a sacrifice in order to be washed by the things that irritate the flesh, represented by uh, John the Baptist's camel hair and those camel skins he wore. <laughs> John. And so therefore he was irritated to make him force him to be in the river because when you're underwater, the inside-out camel skin does not rub like sandpaper. No, it's comfortable. It's actually comforting. But if you're out river. of if you're out of the water, it's like sandpaper on your flesh and you will bleed and you have blisters and you have sores and it's constantly a torture because you're out of God's will. So God has prepared this. He says it's not easy kicking against the pricks. This meaning that God has presented punishment outside of the river. And this punishment is a discipline. As it's written, he even scourges those, he's, those he accepts as sons. Now these are some, some hard teachings, but these, this is the teaching of the disciple's life. And you need to understand the value of your eternal life. Otherwise, when these temporary afflictions come upon you from God... You will not value them, and you will look for escapes from them. Come on. You might even begin attacking them and calling them the devil when God's treating you as sons when he scourges you, as is written in Hebrews 13. So have you embraced the cross in a true crucified life for the purpose of the river? Now, the river is the source of the energy of his resurrection. We might think that it flows down, but it really comes down only to lift up. So what sustains you on each rung of Jacob's ladder, which is the Sephirot, our very stairway, Bob Jones called it an elevator. He said about Joel's army, one of the prophecies over this generation, that they will create a pathway to God, they will live on the stars, and it will be like an elevator. Well, the elevator has to come down before it lifts you up. Are you ready to bring down the strongholds of your mind in order to be lifted up in the mind of Christ. As is written, you must arise from the dead for Christ to shine as dawn. Ephesians 5.14, it is written, Have you recognized your entire human nature as death? Your religious nature as death? Your ability as death? Your Christian ability? Your Christian ability is death. It's an abomination. Do not talk to me about your efforts in Christ. I want to see the resurrection outflowing from your hearts, otherwise you're boasting in strange fire. Woe to you, wicked men. We must boast in Christ, and the Bible says we only boast in our sufferings. What is the suffering that we boast in that is the Christian suffering? That I have denied myself, picked up my cross. Here is the examples of me cru crucified with Christ so that his life is lived through me. And there's always a joy. It's never in a murmuring or a complaining like those who perish in the wilderness. It's always in a praising and, and an absolute uh, jubilee that he has raised wretches like us into his heavenly glory on Mount Zion to demonstrate his great grace within us, which is his very throne, outpouring his nature through our senses. Are the senses still gripped by the things of the earth? You know, when the devil comes, he always tries to grip your senses. You know your five senses. Those are the areas where you die daily. If you do not die to your five senses, your five senses will 100% of the time become hooked by demon spirits, tempting devils, even dazzling demons that will lure you into false light, which is true darkness into the kingdom of Edom, which is Esau's hell, and you'll be lorded over by principalities, and you might even still think you are successful charismatic Christians. But the temptation in these days must be exposed. 
The reason why we preach this rigid righteousness is to expose and condemn all the works of the devil so that you may be saved. It may seem very strict. It might even seem uh, uh, very religious to some of you rebels who are charismatic rebels. And there are plenty of them, I know, because I, I really came out of a tremendous amount of charismatic rebellion, as do all in the charismatic church. For it's simply, don't, we don't understand the protocol of the angelic as the obedience to Christ. How living in the Jerusalem within the walls and outside the walls are the sorcerers and dogs. We don't understand that that perimeter is the protocol of our thought life, our actions, our words, our conversation. And that must be done in a holiness that is pretty much unknown as a standard that God has applied through his son Jesus Christ upon all people. So a lot of times we self-justify not understanding God's standard, or God's standard is so high, so angelic, we have no comprehension of that elevation. Therefore, only the meek can be lifted up. Only the humble can be saved. Because humility allows an impartation of God's thought life that is beyond human comprehension. So salvation comes when God's thoughts through God's words are released through a, a humbled being that's able to transport God's word from heaven to earth. To elevate a listener, there is always a transportation miracle, meaning God's word has come from the heavenly realms of his throne. As is written, the heaven and the heaven of heavens are my throne but the earth is my footstool. But the Bible says in Psalms 133, the oil runs down the high priest's head, down the very garments, representing the whole path of lightnings. So we can begin to see how heaven and its anointing and the divine will of the Messiah, the King on the throne in heavenly Jerusalem, is releasing that fresh oil, is releasing that glory oil and that word to empower his people for service of his kingship. We are servants of the King. We are not out here making up ideas. Nothing in RLM TV has come from Rebecca and I or from a human being. We are led by direct revelation as all true Christians must be. It cannot just be an organized religion uh, doctrine that you have established that you think is orthodox. These are what we believe, our statement of faith. Listen, man, your statement of faith better be the shout of the archangel from the throne of grace. Or it's going to burn like some human parchment. I mean, you cannot be a judge in your human nature during these days. That unrighteous judgment is certain destruction. These people will find themselves fighting the throne of glory. And glory, we need to understand, is intelligence. So when we're led by a greater glory, I have always positioned myself for 25 years now being a Christian, submitted to a greater glory. A man under authority, which is how the kingdom and the rank and the operation of the kingdom of heaven works, is someone submitted to a greater glory. Do not think you will ever come out of the ranking of the greater glory, because God will always be a greater glory than you. He'll always be your father of glory, he's called in scripture. What we find is people no longer are under rank of glory. They're no longer un under the ranking system of glorious celestial beings. Jude says they slander celestial beings, which means they disregard angelic rank. And they put on themselves in their little human circles their own ranking system. Humans have built their own kingdom and have called it God. That is the pinnacle of antichrist Christian idolatry. And that is truly the horror of Babylon that all of you are escaping in these days. Much of that escape will be the understanding and the wisdom of, of the ranking system of angels. Joel says of Joel's army who obey God's word, they will not break rank. That is not just like Marine Corps submitted to your sergeant, submitted to your general. No, 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 no. That is submitted to a greater glory. 
it's submitted to a greater wisdom, a greater bliss, a greater person who is more intimate with God than you are. You will never grow in God until you're submitted to a greater glory than yourself. You'll find yourself filled with darkness, filled with excuses, filled with rebellion, and filled with demons. Hell is a place that has a forced ranking system of darkness. And the darker you are, the more force is required to keep those less dark than you in order. And it also works within a false light that appears to be darkness. Like Jesus Christ said in Scripture, Beware that the light in you is not actually darkness, which is a false ranking system that the Jews were submitted to in the days of his first coming. So now the repentance of coming out of the whore of Babylon, which is Edom, a nation of human and charismatic, even evangelical, all denominations of earthly Christianity. It's that goat's head battering ram going through the building of human hands, which we have built in our own images that are a mixture, as it's written, and that statue is a mixture of clay and iron. Iron represents the divine, clay represents the human. So that last system that we see of uh, Daniel's statue there in Daniel 7 is a mixture of the divine and the human, which is the most deceptive of all, which is where people get hung up. Discernment, which is wisdom, can remove that clay and begin to be solid iron, which is iron sharpening iron, which is divinity sharpening divinity, which is what this school of Enoch and the school of Elijah in the kingdom of heaven right now with the holy angels and the cloud of witnesses is all about. Now we can actually refine the divine born-again part of you and bring it up into a stature of sapphire stones that begins to have heavenly vision. My people perish for lack of knowledge. Knowledge there means vision. And I wish that all my people were prophets, it is written. The word that they're all my people prophets means all my people having a heavenly vision. Let our people see from God's perspective Therefore, obedience and submission to greater glory is a joy, and the commandments of the sapphire stones become a jubilee, a celebration on sapphire stones, which is the marriage supper of the Lamb, which means all have submitted to God's will and God's ways in the heavens to be like the angels. And the ones that haven't yet are still listening from a low elevation, judging and criticizing and refusing to obey the heavenly commandment. May great conviction come upon all of them to hear and obey the heavenly commandment today. In Jesus' name, that their souls be saved and glorified for the marriage supper of the Lamb, which will be on the stars of the sapphire stones forever. Amen. Amen. That's beautiful. (laughs) We love the conviction of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God in the earth right now, ever-present in our time of need, when we need help. We can approach His throne of grace within us, and the Holy Spirit is the helper, the comforter, the transformer of our soul, our souls. I wanted to share this because it continually is replaying in my vision and in my experience you know, my vision right now of that experience encounter in heaven. Because I think some of you, you love the mysteries, you love the Torah. When you love studying the Torah for its own sake, for whose sake? The Torah's sake. For whose sake do we study? For God. So study for God's sake. (laughs) And that's where you'll find the joy. It's not a difficult thing. It's not a frustrating thing. It's a love thing. And, you know, as, as a, you know, there's, there are 13 rivers of balsam, oil from Gilead, the balsam flowing through 13 dimensions. <laughs> you know, it's, Ten weeks, seven worlds, three more, that's the seven perfection, plus three witnesses, which is the thirteenth Ein, for those of you who understand what the Eins are. The thirteenth Ein. Those are the balsam, the levels of balsam. Yes, why? Uh, absolute 
the seventh heaven, technically fourth world. Well, the seventh plus three witnesses is your ten weeks, but ten weeks is seven worlds, so three witnesses is thirteen nine. And that's where it flows down from. So that's the balm that was being released. There's a lot of healing, a lot of things like that, but the part that keeps replaying in my mind, and I think I can see, because I can see some of you are scholars of Torah and you love mysteries. And so this is really interesting to me. When Jesus held me, I turned into a wine bottle. Which was an interesting sensation. And he was drinking me. And he really loved it. He really loved me. And he took me around to a couple of his closest friends in heaven, just a few, and he wanted to share me as a drink to them. He poured me out like a drink. That was a wine bottle and wine came out of me. And one of these people was Moses. Now Moses is like Kabbalah master of the ages, so that was totally wild encounter. So much wisdom, so much love for God, very close friends. So, pure and righteous and holy and wonderful and he loves God he loves the people of God there's an impartation there of Moses's love for the people he wanted to rescue the people even they were hard-hearted they were stiff-necked so it was a really wonderful to meet such a man of God that cared so much for the people of God that he was stubborn in righteousness he was stubborn and wanted to save the people even before God and he didn't leave God God's side in that prayer until he knew. He, when he was on the mountaintop, he was in the Sephirot, he prayed before God until the people's sins were forgiven. And so it's a very precious man of God. But what was interesting to me is I'm just like, I don't know what kind of feelings these can be being poured out like a drink, offering of some kind. They're, they're indescribable to the earthly experience. There's nothing like it. On the earth of course it feels amazing it's wonderful but it's still like you know I'm awake you know in my body but I can't I don't see the earth and this is happening but something that Jesus said to Moses he was doing a teaching at the time it was just the Lord at this time and Moses and me as the wine bottle and he poured me out and he gave that drink to Moses and all of these things the sun you know Moses being a Tiferet that was a whole nother encounter of impartation to meet another Tiferet as I'm Tiferet of this generation to meet another Tiferet was just incredible. It was just, a, I don't know, my, I don't think I can really explain it yet, but if you're a seer, but you can envision the Lord is going to explain some mysteries to you, I believe those of you, if it's revealed to you, he's revealing it to you. But the thing that the Lord said when he was pouring me out, what he said to Moses is he said something interesting. He said that something along the lines of Zephira is the, was the Zipporah above. And it somehow he was alluding to something and that Moses had encountered at a certain time when he said, Zephira was Zipporah above, that he'd seen me. And so in some strange way through time and space we'd met. And at that time I realized I've already met Moses and it was, you know, I was outside of time. These are really wild things, but as I'm experiencing this, I remember John Paul Jackson and his travel through time and space and I finally understand a little bit more of John Paul Jackson's teachings about what it means to be outside of space and time, about what time is not what we think it is, and how was someone like him able to see and visit someone in the past, someone that you read about in the Bible, he met King David. So it was just it was really fascinating mystery, mystic mystery. So some of you are the Torah scholars, you can go to town with that and enjoy it. It'll be fun for you. And there's probably wine in the study when the wine bottle is a theme. When there's wine in the study, that's why scholars may not always tell you this, but those Torah scholars who love the Sephirot, who love righteousness, there's a high quality, pure wine in the study of righteousness. And it's absolutely intoxicating and wonderful. And it's clear and it's pure and it's not like any wine you'll find on the earth not even your high-end brands of wine i used to drink high-end wines when i was you know outside of the realms of righteousness i was not walking in cosmic righteousness i liked high quality high-end wine and it's nothing 
and I tasted so many different ones. Though, you know, the really expensive things, being in an industry, I had access to all these different things, you know, and these rich people, they have all these nice things they love, but it's nothing. It's empty. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't change you from the inside out. But I want to encourage you, don't chase after the experience of just wanting to be intoxicated, drunk in the spirit. Don't just chase after wanting to feel the love of heaven. That's where people end up in the camps of Pan and Moloch. Right? Go after rigid righteousness and go after study. Study the Torah to show yourself approved to walk in more righteousness. And the wine that's added to you, the wine that's in the study, it's pure. It's amazing. You're going to have encounters. You're going to have experiences. And I can't wait to hear about yours when you have them because you're going to have them. Say, I'm going to have an experience in heaven. Why? Because you received the seed of that right when I opened my mouth and taught you. And when Brandon opened his mouth and he told you the word of God, what you need to listen to, what you need to obey this season. Right? When you hear from your leadership, the word. You can receive it as that seed and that plant of righteousness and grow it, treasure it, and walk in it, obey it. And as you do, it's going to flourish inside of you. And then you're going to have your own anointed study time. And you're going to be enjoying heaven. And when we bring these things, you're going to say, oh yeah, I saw that too. And you're going to, because you were there. Or you'll have an encounter, you'll hear your angels. You know, your ears are going to open to hear your angels. And so I am really excited for this mystical season, this really wonderful realm. And I want you to walk in knowing God and knowing heaven because that's when there's real unity. Because there's real unity when, you know, we share these reports and so many people, they've already seen the same thing or heard the same thing or get up one day and Brendan had been in the school of John Paul Jackson, the same, like this a similar day, there's just you know, the Kansas City prophets, what they're doing in heaven, right? Those who have moved to heaven. And just there's so many witnesses. And we're really excited for what heaven is doing. And we're honored to be a part of it. So I just want to thank you, everyone in the cloud of witnesses, the Heavenly Sanhedrin. And of course, Word University for sponsoring us from heaven. We love you. And for those of you watching, you want to walk in righteousness. You are loved. And you are prayed for. So... Don't give up. Buckwheat, we're all little buckwheats in the army of the Lord. And you can rise if you love righteousness and hate false love. My beloved went down into his vineyards. In Song of Solomon 8.11, Solomon had a vineyard at Baal Haman. He entrusted the vineyard to caretakers. What is the vineyard? Well, it's what the scriptures say. A workman needs not being ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth because the vineyard is the growing of the word of truth. Okay? Your wine is your spirit. God is a taste tester of every single spirit growing in the garden. As is written, I will spit you out of my mouth. Therefore, he does not like certain spirits. He does not like bad fruit. He hates immorality. He hates other gods. <laughs> so developing that vineyard is the word growing in your spirit and releasing his nature of purity, holiness, righteousness, wisdom, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, joy, peace, love, all these things in your spirit. We call it mixed wine. What is mixed wine? Your spirit mixed with the word. Your spirit releasing the mix of the glory of all the words, and they're mixed together. Therefore, God desires to drink you. So that's what it means to ascend on the Spice Mountains. It means that you have so developed a vineyard of God's word inside your spirit that through that word you can begin ascending into higher places together. But without the vineyard of the word, there's no wine of the spirit. Therefore, there is no ascending to God. So the most important thing is developing that vineyard. The vineyard is also known as the garden of your heart. A sower sow seed. Our job is to guard the garden. Guard your heart for from it proceed all the issues of your eternal life. So why are we guarding our hearts? We're not 
protecting them from God. We're protecting them for God so that everything growing in there would be a wine that he desires to drink every day. And that's really your union and communion with him. So when you have all these taste testers, you have Elijah, you have Moses, you have Enoch, you have some of the prophets of old, some of the apostles of the New Testament around, tasting and drinking from a modern-day apostle or prophet spirit, they're seeing how much of God's Word is formed in their spirit. And in heaven, that's your vintage. In heaven, that's your wine. And that's truly according to your rank. It'll have a fragrance, it'll have a bouquet, it'll have an intoxication <laughs> of how much that person's joy has come from obedience to the word and experience experiences throughout their own soul, which gives the, the value to the wine. Because now it's like it's enriched with God's word. And when I drink it, I can go into the, that person's experiences and it becomes a living testimony. So your wine is your living testimony of how much of God's word you've lived out in your life. In Jesus' name, let all of your vineyards be consecrated for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the King's taste, that he may drink and be satisfied on all your hearts with a greater development of his word, working its glory and mixing it throughout your spirit and throughout your soul and personality and let it pour out your senses and turn your senses as to the very gates of the vineyards of God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, esteemed viewers of RLM TV, thank you for joining us in this sacred space where we come together to explore the profound teachings of the Bible. Today I stand before you to extend a heartfelt invitation to support RLM TV, a platform that endeavors to bring the timeless wisdom of the scriptures into the homes and hearts of believers around the world. In the book of Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7, we are reminded that wisdom is the principal thing, and with all our getting we should get understanding. RLM TV is dedicated to providing that understanding. To unravel the layers of divine knowledge embedded in the Holy Scriptures, your support is crucial in allowing us to continue this noble mission. As we embark on this journey, let us draw inspiration from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20, where Jesus instructs his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. RLM aspires to fulfill this divine commission by reaching out to souls across the globe, illuminating their lives with the light of God's Word. Your generous contributions play a pivotal role in sustaining this beacon of enlightenment. The Gospel of Luke chapter 6 verse 38 encourages us with the promise that when we give, it will be given to us in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. By supporting RLM TV, you are sowing seeds of spiritual abundance, not only for yourselves, but for countless others who will reap the harvest of God's grace through this ministry. In the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 10, we are challenged to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in God's house. RLM TV is that spiritual storehouse where the sustenance of God's word is shared abundantly. Your financial contributions ensure that the storehouse remains full, allowing us to continue feeding the hungry souls seeking nourishment for their faith. In conclusion, let us heed the words of Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, which assures us that our God will supply every need of ours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. As you consider contributing to RLM TV, know that you are partaking in a divine partnership to spread the richness of God's glory through the medium of internet and television. Thank you for your attention, and may your hearts be moved to support RLM TV as we journey together in the pursuit of spiritual enlightenment and understanding. God bless you abundantly. Amen.